The story you are about to hear was written by Scottish author Andrew Murray Scott. In The Glass Houses, 30-year-old Lorna takes a reluctant younger brother Alan to the diverse habitats of the Edinburgh Botanic Gardens as they discuss their increasingly divergent lives. The Glass Houses by Andrew Murray Scott Why is it whenever I come to see you we end up here, Alan said ruefully, as he poked with a barrel pen at a patch of soggy leaves sticking to the muddy soles of his tan loafers. It was a drizzly grey February day, and leaves in dark clumps were thick on the tarmac path. A low sun was slinking among the stark boughs, brittle twigs and rhododendron bushes of the Royal Botanic Gardens, Edinburgh. Lorna swung her green cashmere scarf around her neck with a leather-gloved hand. Because, brother dear, it is my favourite place, as well you know. Alan zipped his flying jacket up to his throat, thrust his hands deep inside his fur-lined pockets and surveyed the scene. I mean, there's nothing here but trees, and not only that, but trees I've already seen. A slight smile parted Lorna's lips, barely visible above the cashmere. Each tree is a new experience, surely. Not for me, if you must know, he said, grimacing. His fair hair was thinning, Lorna noted with alarm, and she had already observed back in the flat his thickening waist, only twenty-six, and already he had an executive paunch, and there was a sort of pinkish softening or smudging of his face, just as his jawline had acquired a becomingly smooth, bluish-grey sheen, it had begun to sag into his neck, the result of too much good living. He cocked his head sideways to glance over his shoulder at her. Isn't there a cafe in this place? I seem to remember. Alan, we only just got here. They had arrived by bus, windows opaque with condensation, the passageway blocked with young mothers struggling with push-buggies. A visit from Alan was rare. He lived with his wife Amelia in Neesden and flew up once or maybe twice a year, yet she had seen him just recently, at Christmas. Doesn't it make you feel relaxed and peaceful, Lorna teased, after the stress of the metropolis? What stress, and I always am relaxed, he laughed. I'm a laid-back kind of a guy. Hey, watch your feet. It's okay, I saw it, he stared down. Bloody hell, look at the size of it. The dog that passed that must be some size. And how are things, Lorna asked. They laughed at the odd change of subject before Alan completed the sentence. Ah, yeah, life being a big crock of doggy-do, you mean. No, silly. Amelia, things, you know. Amelia. No, she's not pregnant. That was what we were asking, wasn't it? No, Lorna replied indignantly. Don't worry, you'll be the first to know if and when it happens. Look at those fantastic trees. I'm gagging for a coffee. There is a place further in, but look at that tree. Look at the spread of it. A beach and pretty old, too. Big deal. An old beach. I flew British Airways business class for this. One of the earliest trees in Britain, you know. In fact, this will astonish you. The word book derives from the Anglo-Saxon word for beach. Alan rubbed vigorously at the loose skin under his chin. I've soiled my drawers out of sheer excitement. Lorna frowned but ignored the remark. Apparently they found it soft for carving and later it proved good to make paper out of. So maybe there's a good novel inside this one, Alan suggested. Let's chop it down and see. Ah, come on. Coffee, now. Okay, Lorna said. Okay. But then we're going to the glass houses. 
Hmm. They cut across to another path and began to ascend the gentle incline of a hill towards the imposing roof of Inverleith House. So how are you getting on with Ma and Pa? Alan inquired. Still going round there every Sunday? Lorna recoiled. No way. Once a fortnight, Max. Just enough to keep them off my back. Mind you, Mum is always phoning me, you know. She started to leave messages for me at my work, too. They walked in silence for some minutes. Alan hunched forward, lifting his feet carefully, Lorna sauntering and admiring, inhaling the remnants of greenery. As they approached the crown of the hill, several smaller buildings came into view, half hidden by foliage. Alan was some distance ahead. Look, there's the place, he called. He waited for it, the signboard. The Terrace Café. Open, too. Large latte for me, sis, with a dash of cinnamon. They're on me, are they? Well, I'm the guest. Chic. Your salary is three times mine, too, Alan grinned. True, the bullshit industry pays well. As Lorna stood at the counter waiting to order, she remembered the call from her mother the previous day. You never phone, like a scratchy old record. We always have to phone you. You can't be that busy. And in the background, her father saying, She rings when she can. You know that. Let her get on with her own life. Lorna browsed unhurriedly along the display of cakes and sandwiches. Her brother sat silhouetted against the window, looking out at the greenery beyond. The place was almost empty. A couple with children, two lovers, foreign students maybe. Could I have milk with a black coffee please, she told the girl behind the counter, and these two Danish pastries. Apart from the postgraduate year at Bristol, Lorna had spent all of her life in Edinburgh. Craigleith Primary, Mary Erskine's, then the uni. Her social life was an extension of her work life at Loch and Bar Books. She reflected on the faded photographs pinned to the office wall. Lorna with Ian M. Banks. Lorna with Jim Kelman and Carl McDougall at the Balmoral Grill. Her mother was increasingly unsympathetic. Lorna, if you're not happy, for goodness sake, do something about it. You're 30, for goodness sake. Just do what you want to do, love, her father had said from the depth of a sofa, watching golf from Florida beamed in via cable. As long as you're happy, her mother had persevered all through lunch. You could have arranged to spend a couple of weeks with them in Europe before they went. With who? Whom, her mother corrected. With Shirley and, and, you know, going anywhere nice this year, love, her father had asked. Haven't decided yet, Dad. She's going nowhere, her mother concluded. More tea, dear? The doorbell pinged then to announce the arrival of her father's golfing friends. That's my cue. I'm away, she said, rising. Oh, dear, can you not stay to say hello to Sandy? Lorna placed the plastic tray on the round table by the window, which had a view of Edinburgh trees, a panorama of the city. Yummy, Danish, Alan said. Both for me, I presume. I know you're on a diet. Cheeky. So how is your life, sis? Alan asked. Seriously? What have you been doing in the last month? Well, Erica, remember her? She's in Ibiza. Izzy's met a nice-looking guy, something junior in the Scottish executive. Susan and her husband are planning the inevitable trip to Disneyland now their sprogs have grown out of diapers. Alan put down his mug. Men, that's what I want to know about. I only ask because you were the one who caught Amelia's bouquet. She deliberately threw it at me. That's just your guilty conscience. You leaped into the air to grab it, both feet off the ground. Nonsense. Oh, you're teasing. Well, I did meet a guy in a pub a few weeks ago, an artist, Des Pugh. Can you believe that name? 
an Aussie, but he turned out to be in a long-term relationship. Alan mimed shock, his jaw dropping in slow motion. Eh? The rotter. How did you find out? Oh, he didn't feel any need to hide it. So, adios, after a single date. I wasn't bothered. He thought farting in public was the height of wit, and he drank a lot of beer. Crikey. And how's work? Same old, same old. I'm working on a reference book on whiskey lore and a novel about football fans, underage drinking and stuff, you know. Teenage angst in Partick. That sounds more like my thing, Alan said. Sort of Hornby meets Irving Welsh effort. Um, you should have seen it when it came in. The spelling and grammar were atrocious. Julian, my boss, seemed to think it would appeal to young readers. He thought it would be a fast seller. Alan's upper lip had a crescent of cream. Lorna reached over with a napkin and accurately dabbed at the cream on his lip. No, sort of missed the boat somehow. The writer looked too pimply to be a big hit and maybe the cover wasn't quite right. The reviews were reasonable but it just didn't take off. Good coffee, this. You haven't said how your work is going. Alan laid both forearms on the table and grinned. Rather well, actually, sis. The company have just invaded Serbia, Montenegro and Croatia. Europol's PLC are now numero uno in the whole of Eastern Europe. I had dinner last weekend with a bevy of senior spin doctors in the house. On the home front, we've just traded in the Mondeo for a Mercedes Sports. A runaround for Amelia. Still got my Porsche, of course. One must retain one's status symbols. My car's still in Dad's garage, Lorna said. The parking here is much, much worse since the Scottish Parliament was set up. A guy I went to school with is now an MP for somewhere in the southwest. Derek Cunningham, New Labour, of course. Aren't they all? Right, time for the glass houses. Do we have to? Alan ventured, caught the look on Lorna's face and stood up. All right, just this once. They left the cafe and walked northeast through the grove of trees until the huge glass temple appeared in a clearing in front of them. I love this place, Lorna said. Always amazes me how few people come here. Far better than Q, in my opinion. Wouldn't know, Alan muttered. My favourite bit is the temperate palm house at the back. Tallest glass house in the UK, you know. Is it? Alan said. That's just so terribly, terribly exciting. Were you always like this? Lorna asked. When we came here as kids, remember we all came? Did you never like it, even then? Nah. Strange, little boys are supposed to be really into nature-type stuff. I wasn't. I played football. But you must have liked other things. Computers, that was about it. Sad little lad, weren't you? I don't remember this big glass house thing. Was it always here? Was it here the last time? It's been here for yonks since we were kids. They entered the lush foliage of a South American aquatic house and turned, beyond hanging lianas and shimmering fronds, into the temperate house at the lower level. The thick, fragrant greenery seemed to overhang and lean outwards in the suffused light. There was a humid warmth, an ambient moisture, which imperceptibly massaged the skin surfaces of the face and hands. Lorna led the way, swing doors scraping on the wet pavement, into a hotter, denser, more luxuriantly green area. Bananas, coffee and rubber plants, a large pond hosting rigid lily pads of immense size through which alien blooms were thrusting. The orchid house came next, and then the two palm houses. Dark in here, Alan commented. 
looking upwards at the elaborate white-painted iron tracery framing glass dimmed by heavy growth. I like to sit round here. She led her brother to an elaborate Victorian bench at the side wall and they sat down. It's not too hot in here and there's always less people. It's a great place to come and read. Not today though, Alan said. Huh? Lorna caught sight of his face and chuckled. Poor Alan, you're hating this, aren't you? She playfully tapped him on the nose. She knew her brother wasn't very tactile, pulled away from overt shows of affection. OK, come on, let's go. She stood up. Back the way we came. You haven't seen a fraction of it, of course. Enough, he muttered, moving at a more rapid pace through the rare diversity of cloud forest, tropical rainforest, riverside swamp, barely glancing at the gorgeous botanical species on all sides. Lorna sighed and lingered gazing upwards at the stately palms of the southern hemisphere. Palms, she remembered reading, were the most useful group of plants on the planet, producing a vast range of foods, oils and construction materials. She liked to sit and silently empathise with them, thinking of their age, their self-reliance, imagining their natural habitats, the sounds, the exotic exuberance, all so much at odds with the grudging light. But her conversation with Alan had brought on the troubling thought that she was just another kind of specimen under glass, labelled, annotated, forgotten. Trapped in her natural habitat, Lorna wondered if she would always be too scared to break the glass. The Glass Houses was read by Andrew Murray Scott. If you enjoyed this story, you can listen to more of Andrew Murray Scott's story podcasts on Telling You Stories. You could also visit his website, www.andrewmurrayscott.scott, or his author's page on Amazon.com to find out more about his published books. Thank you for listening.